thank you, Father. I just praise you. Father, I thank you. I thank you. You are our God. I thank you. You are our Father. And let the power of my Lord be great. Father, open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. And open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to you, to light. Turn us from the power of Satan unto you. And I ask you, Father, let us only see Jesus. And I ask this in your son's name, Jesus, amen. All right, I want us to go quickly through our verses because I have some things I want to cover today. John 10, verse 35, it says, Jesus speaking, he said, If he called them gods who under the, unto whom the word of God came, and this is the scripture, part of the scripture I'm after, and this is so profound, it said in the scripture, cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. You see those words? So what I speak today, what I am going to share today, they can't be changed. They can't be broken. So the words I speak today will be truth. And they will stand through anything that your heart has against them. If you will trust in them, they will stand. They will stand. And they will bring your salvation. 1 Peter 3. We have been talking about what God is doing with these meetings. And I'm just going to read verse 4. It says, we, it begins by saying, let us not be adorned on the outside. But verse 4, but let, us, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, the woman, in that which is not corruptible. Not corruptible. So we're taking the corruptible out of us and we're putting in what is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit which in the sight of God is of great price. What is a meek and a quiet spirit? The meek and the quiet spirit has its faith grounded in the gospel and grounded in God. So it doesn't matter what it hears and it doesn't matter what it feels. That's a meek and a quiet spirit. You can't move it. And it can stand in the storm. It can stand there waiting on God when there's no money. It can stand there waiting on God when you're sick. It can stand there waiting on God when you got no job, when your kids are sick, when you can't find a place to put your children while you go to work. It'll stand. That's what we're after. And God is going to do that from the inside out. The inside out. That's why it says don't make your adorning this. Let's get the inside adorned. It'll come from the inside out. And I also want to mention in Jeremiah 8 and in Jeremiah 6, the verses are, and God is upset with his prophets because he said, you healed my daughters only slightly. Only slightly. God was upset with them because the prophets of that time healed his daughters, that's us, only slightly. Well, God is after healing us the whole way. God is after a complete healing. And we're going to see that today. We're going to see part of it today. We're going to get some hearts healed. If you will go with me to Luke 4, verse 18. It says, the Spirit of the Lord, this is Jesus speaking. And this is the first time he's speaking to these people after he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. This is where his ministry starts. And his first words are, 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Notice the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus has his own spirit and his spirit's in that body. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon him to do what? Why did God send him? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. God anointed Jesus. It's not Jesus' power we see here. Jesus says that over and over in the book of John. What you see is not me. I can do nothing of myself. He had no power. He was a man like you and I, but God anointed him. God put his spirit in him. And it says to preach the gospel to the poor. To, he sent me. God sent Jesus to heal the brokenhearted. You know why? Because God knew you were brokenhearted. He loved you so much he knew you were brokenhearted. So what's he going to do? He sends Jesus to heal your broken heart, my broken heart. He sent us, he sent Jesus to heal the broken heart. He said he, he, to preach deliverance to the captives. He sent Jesus to preach deliverance to the captives. Well, you know what? Then he knew that we were captive. He knew we were captive. And you know the wonderful thing about the first thing he said to preach the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's nothing else. That is in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 said, this is the gospel. This is what I preached, Paul said, that Jesus died according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. It was spoken of since the beginning of time here on this earth. To, to, um, to what is it? To, I'm going to go there. Boy, that devil doesn't want this to be spoken. And I'm going to speak it. And I'm going to speak it boldly. There is no other definition of the gospel. There is none. Jesus preached this, the gospel. This is the bona fide definition of the gospel. Verse 3, Paul speaking, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. How? That Jesus died for our sins. According to the scriptures all over the New Testament. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He didn't make this up, folks. It had been prophesied thousands of years before. And it kept being prophesied until he fulfilled it. And we are going to look at that today. Also, back to uh, Luke 4. It says, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. That's why I open up the prayer. Father, open our eyes that we can see. It's not just a physical blindness, but it's a spiritual blindness too. A blindness of the heart that you can't see. And we are asking God, open our eyes. That's one of the reasons God sent Jesus, to open our eyes. And you know who we see when I get our eyes open? We see the Father and we see the Son. We see the Father, and we see the Son. Now, it says also, to set at liberty them that are bruised. To set at liberty them that are bruised. He sent Jesus to set at liberty them that are bruised. You know what? God knew we were bruised. We were a bruised people. 
And he sent Jesus to fix it. It says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We are in the acceptable year of the Lord. Turn with me to John 3. And I'm going to begin in 16. This is going to set up, set this up. It says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved you. For God so loved you. You know, you're in the world, so God so loved you. It's easy. You're in the world. Trust me, you're in the world. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever believeth in that son, in Jesus, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this is the verse I want. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Do you notice God didn't send Jesus to condemn you? He did not send Jesus to condemn you. He didn't. It is not God that condemns you. It is not God that condemns you. You know who's really good at condemning you? You. You. I tell you this, one day I was walking out on the street and I, I do a lot of praying walking. And I was just, oh, I didn't like me. And, and I was trying to work through some things and, and Jesus spoke. And I, you know, you walk in this long enough, you can tell the difference between the voice of the Father and Jesus. And Jesus said, why don't you forgive yourself? I did. Oh, ouch. Ouch. It's the Father does not condemn. The Father is not condemning you. Jesus is not condemning you. Isn't that wonderful to hear? Then you know if you feel condemned, it isn't the Father and it isn't Jesus. It isn't the Father and it isn't Jesus. He said, I sent him into the world not to condemn you, but to do what? To save you. To save you. He sent Jesus to save you. He sent Jesus to heal you. He sent Jesus to fix the bruises. He sent Jesus to open your eyes. He knew what a mess we were. We are no surprise to God. He knew what a mess we were. And he sent Jesus anyway. Anyway. All right, now, we are going to look at why. Why it's not God condemning us. Go to Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. We are going to see the reason why God did not send Jesus to condemn us, but to save us. Isaiah 52. I'm going to read verse 6 to begin with. It says, all, we like sheep, all of us. All of us. Are you in all? Are you in all? There is nobody left out here. There is nobody left out here. Do you see that? Oh, the devil likes to tell us that we are the only one on earth that Jesus didn't die for. That we are the only one on earth that is too, that's too big of a problem for Jesus to deal with. Oh, he likes to tell us that. He's got somebody telling us that a lot. And he's got a whole bunch of little minions telling everybody else that too. But the word here says all. And you know what? You can tell the devil all. 
Oh, I love to talk back to the devil. It is written. It is written. All we like sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all gone astray. Every one of us has messed up. Every one of us didn't walk like we were supposed to. Every one of us. Look around. You are not the only one that has screwed up. Thank God. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And look at this. And the Lord. That's Jehovah. And Jehovah laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Do you see that verse? Do you see that verse? Jesus was on the cross. Jesus at one point was able to walk after he went through the scourging, after he went through the beatings, after he went through Pilate. He was able to walk. And they put the cross on him. One version says he carried the cross. Another one said another man carried the cross for him. But he walked to Calvary. He walked to the hill. hill. And then there came a point, if you will read, it came a point. It said the third hour they, they, they nailed his hands to the cross and they nailed him up. So at that point, all, the, all his body was together. But there came a point. There came a point that that body started to break apart. Break apart. Look at me, look with me at... Uh, Isaiah 52, verse 13, it says, Behold my servant, and that's what Jesus was, shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted, extolled, and be very high. That's where he is now. Thank you, Jesus. He said, As many were astonished at thee, astonished, his visage, his visage, his appearance was so marred, more than any man, and his form more, than the sons of men. You know, it says the word of God cannot be broken. Cannot be. So what this word says is absolutely true. So what it says here is that body of Jesus was marred more than any man. Any man. And it says, in, if you go on to chapter tw uh, 53, verse 2, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. And look at this next phrase. He has no form. He has no form. He had a form when he was nailed to the tree. But there came a point that he lost that form. Turn with me to Psalm 22. There was a point in Jesus hanging on the cross when the Father laid everything that you have done and he laid everything that I had done, everything, everything. He laid it on the body of Jesus and that body started to break apart. The bones didn't break, but they became dislocated. They became dislocated and we'll see why. But first, I want to go to Psalm 22, verse 14. This is Jesus speaking on the tree. And we'll, you can read this, this psalm and you can see that. But I'm just going to go to verse 14. It says, I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. All my bones are out of joint. All of them. You know, I, I've told this story, but I had a, a 
a gentleman that I was dating, and we broke up, and we, I was breaking up with him. I was in a, a building alone with him, not the smartest thing I've ever done. And I was on one side of the building. It was a small building. He was on the other. There was a, a stage in between us. I went to go get some materials, and I'm telling him, look, I, you know, we need to break up. This thing isn't working very well. This is not right. And when I told him that, I had my back to him because I was doing some art things. I was doing some for the, for the church. Anyway, I turned around, and I had one very mad young man looking at me a very muscular, much larger guy than I was looking at me, and he wasn't happy. He started coming toward me, and I remember thinking I'm in a corner in this room, and I'm, my, my thought is, how am I going to get out of here? And he's coming toward me, and the next thing I know, he disappears. He disappears. And then after uh, I'm trying to figure out where he went, I hear a groaning. What I didn't realize when he came toward me, I know an angel shoved him down a hole that was on that stage. He didn't even see it. I didn't even see it. Next thing I know, he's in the basement and he's hurt. God stopped him from touching me. And you don't think the gospel can protect you? Anyway, so I had to help him out. He's in the hole, and there was a ladder that went down there, and I got him out. When I got him out, his shoulder that would be right here was down here. Grossest thing I've ever seen. Gross. But you know what? That bone became dislocated, and you couldn't even tell. I mean, it, it, it looked so out of place. Well, every bone of Jesus's was out of place. His knee wasn't where the knee was supposed to attach to the shin. It wasn't there. The elbows weren't attached. The arms, it wasn't attached. They were all dislocated. Dislocated. That's why it says in, in Isaiah 53, you couldn't even tell he was a man. Why? Because the bones were all dislocated. Dislocated. What a gruesome sight. What a gruesome sight. Why were they dislocated? Turn with me to Psalm 31. Psalm 31 has an interesting verse. It says, verse 10, For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity. And he says, my bones are consumed. My bones are consumed. If you study that word out, it means to fall apart like old clothes fall apart like old clothes. Why was this man's bones falling apart like old clothes? Because of his iniquity. Do you see what sin will do to a body? Do you see what sin will do to a body? Jesus had my sin on him. And he had your sin on him. He had everything you have ever done on him. If you committed adultery, Jesus, the Father took the adultery from Jesus, I mean from you, and he put it on Jesus. If you have committed murder, the Father, in his great love for you, took the sin of murder from you, and he put it on the body of Jesus. If you, have, if you are a wife beater, Jesus, the Father, 
in his great love for you, took the sin of beating your wife and put it on the body of Jesus. Took it from you. If you have ever lied, if you have, if you have ever committed sexual perversion, if you have ever um, stolen anything that you have done, anything, anything, it covers it all, folks. Thank God it covers it all. There's only one sin that this won't cover, and you haven't committed it because you're listening to me. And that is the sin against the, uh, blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. You haven't done it. You haven't done it. You'd know if you'd done it. No, every other sin went on that body. Everything you have done, no matter how bad it is, God took it from you. It's just not a general adultery. It's your adultery that God took and put away from you and put it on the body of Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know what it says? The scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. God took what you did and put it on that body. And when it got on that body, that body couldn't hold it. And it started breaking apart. And you know what? God knew it would. And so did Jesus. So did Jesus. But he did it for you anyway. Jesus loved you enough. He took it. He took it. Before he wasn't sure in the garden, but he got his heart ready and he took it. He said, bring it on. Bring it on. And my sin and your sin went on that body. And you know what the wonderful thing is? I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50 and I'm going to read from verse 5. This is Jesus speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He said, the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. This is Jesus. Neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters. Jesus gave his back to the smiters. Why? For you. He didn't have to, but he did it anyway. He loved you enough. He did it anyway. He took it. And my cheeks to them that pluck off the air. And this is what I want to get to. Look at this. Look at this sentence. I hid not my face from shame. I hid not my face from shame. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Do you know that not only Jesus took your sin. He took your shame. Do you know that there are victims of sin? If you have ever been molested, if you ever been raped, if you ever been assaulted, if you ever been beaten up, and you feel so ashamed, Jesus took the shame. Jesus not only took the sin, he took your shame. And you don't have to feel ashamed one more day. That blood of Jesus 
And that body of Jesus took it. Took it. He took it for you. You don't have to be ashamed of the sin you got yourself into. You don't have to be ashamed. Jesus not only took your sin, he took on your shame. And you can stand justified in that blood of Jesus with your head high. Because Jesus bore it for you. You didn't ask for it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't even want it. But he did it anyway. He did it anyway. Oh, we're so ashamed of some of the dumb things we've done. Some of the wicked things we've done. Some of the stupid things we've done. And Jesus took the shame. He took the shame. And he took it because he loved you. And he took it because he knew what mess we were in. He knew what we were before he even came here. He knew what sins we had done because he carried them. You are no surprise to God. He knows everything and he sent Jesus anyway. He knows it all. He knows it all and he sent Jesus anyway. Because he wanted to heal the broken heart. He wanted to get rid of the sin. He wanted to heal all the bruises to get you away from them that held you captive. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus looked that bad on the cross. I had a man e email someone saying, all she ever talks about is that broken body. When you know that that body was broken for me. That body looked like it did for me. That that body took my shame. That that body took every dumb thing I've ever said and dumb thing I've ever done. That body took it. That body took it. You gladly talk about how bad that body looked because he did it for me. He did it for me and he did it for you he did it for you you don't have to carry the shame you don't have to carry the condemnation you don't have to carry it one more day you can leave it right here right here don't take it home with you it was paid for and it was paid for dearly it was paid for dearly. And it was paid for happily. Happily. He was happy to die for you. Right? Let's go. Let's see. Let's continue in Isaiah 50, 53. Let's begin at the, at, at the very top. It says, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It says, who has believed our report? Do you see that's the only part of this that you are responsible for? That's the only part that you have to do. That is the only thing you have to do. That Jesus has already been crucified. 
He has already borne all your sin and all your shame. He has already done it. The only thing you have to do is believe it. The only thing you have to do is trust it. The only thing you have to do is talk to it when it's saying something else, your heart. When your heart feels condemned, speak to it. Talk to it. Preach it the gospel. It is written. All have gone astray, and he laid on Jesus the iniquity of me. Talk to your heart. That's trusting. That's believing. Put it in front of your eyes. Trust it. That's all faith means. It means to trust what it says, to put your trust in that, in not what you feel and not what you see, but put your trust in the Word of God because that Word of God cannot be broken. And the first thing, the first thing to get you on this road is that you must be born again. Jesus said it in John 3. It is not a church that said it. It is not an organization that said it. It is not doctrine that said it. It is the words of the Lord Jesus himself. He said, you must be born again. And you say, I can hear you, but I'm Catholic. You must be born again. That's what Jesus said. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish. It doesn't matter if you're Muslim. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be. You must get the spirit of Jesus in you. And that is simple, simple. Thank God he made it simple. You go to Jesus in prayer and you say, Jesus, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want you in my life. I want you to lead me and guide me and be my Lord. And when you say that, when you call on his name, it says, those that call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved, shall be born again, shall be saved, shall be set at safety with Jesus. Amen? Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.